Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Talk Talks podcast from the Oxford Center. My name is Andrew Kistner. I am your host. I am the uh, Director of Marketing here at the Oxford Center. I work out of the Brighton office. And today um, is kind of a last minute episode that we're recording. Um, I found out that we had in the building today, uh, Jeff Mosteller. Did I get it right? Mosteller. That is correct. I always call him Jeff. It's always been Jeff to me. So Jeff Mosteller, who um, is essentially runs our you know hyperbarics program. Um, and he was in here from our Troy office where he usually works out of. And I uh, saw him in one of our offices and said, hey, you're here. Let's get together and talk. Uh, okay. We don't have an agenda, uh, but he literally knows everything possible probably on hyperbaric oxygen therapy uh, and hyperbaric medicine. And I'm very excited to be able to sit down with him and just kind of chat and, and see where it goes. So this should be a fun episode. So I'm looking everyone, to it. this is Jeff. Um, and he's an extraordinary individual is what I call him. So... Um, he agreed to, to sit down with me. I didn't have to count him very much. We were both talkers, uh, and uh, let's see what happens. So my, my dad said I could talk the ears off a deaf mule, so I love it. <laughs> so tell me a little bit um, about who you are and what you do, um, and maybe touch on how you got to where you're at. Certainly. Um, as Andrew said, my name is Jeff Mosteller. I'm uh, in charge of the hyperbaric safety and also training and education for the Oxford Center. And... Um, I've been in hyperbarics uh, March 1st for 39 years. Wow. So I started out in the hospital world where I ran and directed hyperbaric oxygen centers um, in uh, level one trauma units for, like I said, for the better part of 35 years and uh, moved over to uh, the Oxford Center in 2019. Interesting. Where working here, I um, started their uh, training and education program, which we're... Uh, uh, which is an ongoing effort by the center. Yeah. Now, you told me uh, we were talking earlier with, with Tiffany, who does a lot of our research and, and also uh, certified in hyperbaric medicine. Um, tell me about your, the class you took. Oh, okay. Well, you had some fun things. The, um, the, the current um, certification, which is not to include um, our uh, certification in international hyperbaric as well, but the traditional one has been through the National Board of Diving and Hyperbaric Medicine, and their first exam was in 1991, which I took. And you so, took the first one. Yeah, so I'm CHT number 0033. 33. And then Tiffany was like 2400 yeah. something. And yeah. I don't remember when she got certified. It's been a long, long time, yeah. if I remember correctly, because Tiffany worked, I think, at. Yeah, she, she was certified in about 2008 or so. Awesome. Yeah. So, how did you? find the Oxford Center. What what's how did you go from the hospital to the Oxford Center? Well, it was a very interesting transition when um when I left Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan to to go run the center at Detroit Receiving. Detroit Receiving was just finishing up <clears throat> treating the owner of of this Oxford Center's daughter for hyperbaric. She was being treated for encephalitis. And they she they were just wrapping that up and that's when I of course, met Tiffany and started as the director there. Um, after that experience with, with her own daughter, Tammy decided to, to open a hyperbaric center. And when she did, she came to um, Detroit Receiving, and, and Tiffany and I actually trained her first staff. Awesome. And uh, which, by the way, uh, included Gary and Sheila. Right. In that, in that first class. Who are still here. Her staff. <laughs> Sheila's so, still running yeah. hyperbarics. And so... Um, <clears throat> 
so from that time, we talked from time to time. Uh, and anytime Tammy had any hyperbaric questions that she felt I could answer, she would call me. Then in 2019, um, I was working in Mississippi trying to find a way back to Michigan. And it just so happened that Tiffany's uh, um, son got encephalitis. And that dawned on me. I just started remembering how I met Tiffany and how we were treating Gianna for encephalitis and how Tammy started her own center. And I just became curious to whether or not she might have a job opening in Michigan because I was trying to get back. And as it just so happened, she was trying to find a way to get a hold of me at the same time. And so through, Loving. through uh, you know, above, above our grade manipulation, I ended up at Oxford in the uh, summer of 2019. Awesome. I love it. And then where did you take Oxford from there to now? Well, that was, um, here again, uh, we, you, you already were very well established. You had the two centers in, uh, um, Brighton and in Troy. And what I brought to the table was I, I came in and I, I wrote and established the training and certification center and also, um, writing, uh, emergency, emergency procedures and some safety direction, if you will. Yeah. And you, um, now essentially lead, um, Oxford Training Certification, which is uh, a company that we started to train new hyperbaric oxygen therapy technicians. That, that's correct, yes. Awesome. And you kind of wrote that curriculum? Right. I wrote the curriculum for both the introductory hyperbaric course and also the uh, safety um, director course. So training people how to how to be safety raisers for their centers. Right, right. Which is hugely important. It's, it's, it's very important. Um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy... Um, while not as dangerous as it's sometimes depicted to be, does have some potential um, hazards involved with it, uh, both due to the physiology of human beings and the increasing pressure and due to the fact that you're using 100% oxygen. So that creates some potential hazards that have to be mitigated against. Right, right, which is to run a safe center, I don't know as though there's much more important than that. It's, I mean, if it's done properly... It's actually safer than aspirin, but on the other hand, if it's done improperly, it can be more dangerous than right. than um, a lot of physics. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it yeah. can be quite dangerous. So, right. Uh, it's nice to know that we work at a center that has safety at, at that top priority. It's a top priority for the, the center and has been since day one. Again, when um, when when Tammy. Uh, decided to open up a center, she went to uh, a training center in San Antonio and took a safety director's course from the very beginning. And again, she brought her staff to Detroit Receiving uh, to get good, a good basic education and safety training from day one. So it's been a priority. Awesome. So since you know everything hyperbarics, talk to me for a, a couple of minutes on where have we come not just globally when it comes to hyperbarics technology and, you know, what we can do, what we've learned, um, but it's specifically in the U.S., you know, where we've come. Because I know that in other countries, they use hyperbarics a lot more than what we've utilized it for in the right. U.S. for as far as like a mainstream therapy or treatment. Right. right. Um, yes, hyperbaric 
uh, has has been in place, believe it or not, the first recorded use of hyperbaric oxygen therapy was a British physician in 1662. Wow. And, of course, that has evolved uh, over the, you know, the subsequent 361 years, right, right. Um, as, as everything has. We were talking earlier about just how much um, phones and technology has has improved in our lifetime. So you can imagine that. But um, so there, you know, there are more and more things that hyperbarics is um, capable of helping out. What is hyperbaric oxygen therapy? Yeah, we can it, it The word hyperbaric means high pressure oxygen therapy. So it's a combination of increasing the atmospheric pressure on a patient. So you, you need a chamber uh, to put the patient inside of, which can increase the pressure, and they breathe 100% oxygen. So the combination of those two things, increasing the pressure, increasing the oxygen percentage, actually increases the amount of oxygen flowing through your blood 15 times. Wow. So if you have a disease or an injury which results from a lack of oxygen or the injury repair requires oxygen demands, then hyperbaric oxygen is very beneficial for those type of things. So for example, if you have a crushed bone, okay, the, the chemical process that builds new bone cells, which is a, which are called osteoblast, requires oxygen for that chemical equation. Interesting. So if you have a large area of crushed bone and you're trying to build new bone cells, right, you're going to quickly use up the available oxygen because there's a limited amount available in normal situations. Now, it's more than enough for normal life. Right. But for but for the compromise situation, it's not going to be enough and it's going to demand more because also there's another bone cell which eats up dead bone cells and eliminates them. Those are called osteoclasts, right? Right. Those also require oxygen for their production. And so when that type of dynamic going on, you very quickly run out of available oxygen. Giving the body 15 times the amount of oxygen allows this natural process to occur. And that's just one example. Right. Um, inflammation in soft tissue, uh, necrotizing infections. Um, there's a lot of different ways hyperbarics can be used to help a lot of different things. Yeah. So can you basically, um, you know, and I know it, it's come up here, you know, somebody uh, being married to one of the nurses helps me be able to see these things, yep. um, you know, from the marketing director standpoint, um, is I see all the e email inquiries and whatnot that come in and, and somebody will say, hey, can you help this? And I know Emily, even though maybe she doesn't have direct experience with that specific condition, mm -hmm. she knows what it is and what it needs to help it. Right. And she can tell, oh, oxygen therapy would seem to fit this bill. So are you able to step back and just look at tons of conditions and go, hyperbaric can help that, it can help that, because knowing the overall basis of what it goes into treating those conditions. Right. Gen generally, you can have an idea of the potential for it to help. Right. You, you always, you know, now now I'm going to sound like a, a, an elf. If you ever read The Lord of the Rings, they said never ask the elves for advice because they'll always tell you yes and no. Right. And I'm going to sound a little bit like that because you can never say always right. and you can never say never. 
And so, but yes, you can have a reasonable expectation with quite a large number of indications that hyperbarics will help. And the large variety of things we can talk about is we know it's, it's helpful in the, the problems with autism. Right. We know it's very helpful in soft tissue injuries that athletes get. We, we do get a, a large variety of athletes coming in to help quickly heal their soft tissue injuries or even just to have their muscles recover from heavy workouts. <clears throat> so it can go from that to very bad necrotizing anaerobic infections and to also decompression sickness, which is gas bubbles in your blood, and we're just using the pressure to um, shrink the size of those bubbles <clears throat> using pressure and then also use oxygen for the counter diffusion because those bubbles are going to be nitrogen. They're not going to be oxygen. Right. So so that's how there's a, a such a wide variety of things that hyperbarics are able to help. Interesting. And so uh, talk to me about, so we talked a little bit about this, um, insurance. Uh -huh. um, I know that you know insurance for the most part covers what, 13 or 14 conditions yes. in the U.S. do, and I'm not very familiar with like other countries and how their insurance, or if they have mm -hmm. insurance or, you know, it's probably a, a system that needs help, right. just like ours. Mm -hmm. um, but do they have, uh, in other countries, are they utilizing this more for... I, I, I do believe that uh, particularly in the East and in uh, uh, China, particularly, they do, they do treat more things. And even veterinary science um, treats more more different indications than human science um, without getting too political. Right. The 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 the, pr the problem with our system tends to be the fact that insurance or government pays for it. Um, right. For for example, like people always wonder why <clears throat> hyperbaric a session of hyperbaric oxygen therapy in the hospital is going to cost you over $2,000 per treatment. And I think, oh, those greedy hospitals, they just want, you know, they just want to gouge the patient, right? As it turns out, if a hospital takes Medicare, by law, they cannot take, they cannot charge an individual less than they charge Medicare. Uh, so by law, they have to charge them the same. The problem is Medicare doesn't pay them what they charge. Right. It pays them about 15% of what they charge. So they have to jack the price up right. in order to keep the lights on. Okay? And therefore, they can't charge an individual less. So it, it really has more to do with the law. And the, the farther away you remove the payer from the result... Right. Then the less efficient that becomes. And that I think that's what uh, we suffer from yeah. in this country. Because the, as they say, whoever pays the bills. One of the, one of the funniest things I once heard of a politician say that, you know, his plan, with his plan, the government was, gonna, was not going to interfere with the decision between the doctor and the patient. Well, I can tell you, whoever pays the bill interferes with the doctor-patient relationship. If I pay the bill, I'm going to interfere right. with the doctor-patient relationship. So that's just the way it goes. And it, 
it's always better the closer the per to the person receiving the care and the doctor have the decision, then the better and more efficient the care will be. Yeah, in, in a in a rough ab absolutely, absolutely yeah. Uh, it makes it makes perfect sense. It really does. Right. Um, and it's it's crazy that where we've come from the Oxford Center standpoint, right. you know, we're treating thousands of patients a month, essentially, yes. you know, um, and we're treating them for conditions that are definitely are insurance covered, but we've been able to um, make it as affordable as humanly possible. Well, and, and the, the beautiful thing of the Oxford Center is we're probably providing this center, yes, for them out of pocket, but probably less than what their copays would be if insurance did cover it. Right. Yes. <laughs> Very true. So yeah, especially when you look at deductibles, you right? Know, and and how much out of pocket you have to pay before really insurance starts covering, you know, a good portion. Right. Um, for my personal deductible, I'm almost the cost of forty treatments of HBOC. Right. You know. Uh, and 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 I have pretty good insurance. And like I said, even if you if you are taking those hyperbarics in the hospital. Your copay would be probably, you know, in other words, the insurance would pay eighty percent. You'd pay twenty percent, which, by the way, would probably be more. To where if you just than, there, than you're paying with us. Yeah, I was actually I had the same conversation with somebody uh, recently on the phone. She called. Um, and they had some stuff they wanted to do with Oxford Kids Foundation, and she said, "Oh, well, we're treating, you know, at I don't remember where, um, right? And um, for hyperbarics for my husband, um, and it's going to cost." Um, I think she said like 300 for the doctor and then 700 for the treatments. They were going to do something out of pocket with them. And I'm like, holy cow. Right. You, per treatment, zero thousand dollars treatment. Yes. You know, blew my mind. And it's like, just so you know, you might want to just sit down mm -hmm. with the nurse and just, you know, they knew us, they knew who we were, right. uh, but I just thought that maybe the hospital said, oh, yeah, we'll treat it. You know, right. we'll agree to treat it. And they just went there. They didn't think right. necessarily, oh, maybe right. we could. Well, I mean, here again, it's covered by insurance. You've got the insurance. Right. You think there's no reason not to do it. But but again, when it when the, when the actual bill is removed from the patient getting it, it becomes a different story. It really does. And you, yeah. you have to kind of step back and look at all of the numbers, right. not just is it covered by insurance, yes or no, um, right. There's still numbers involved. Um, that, that is correct. You know, and yeah. I think people don't sometimes sit back and go, okay, let's add up what it's going to cost us when we have it covered by insurance and when it's going to, you know. Um, so I know that we talked a little bit before about post-COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and I get this question quite often because we, well, we've treated a ton of patients for post-COVID. Right. How does that, and there's other therapies and things like that, you know, out there for, for post-COVID, people that haven't had, you know, taste or smell in a year or two. Right. Um, you know, we're getting that back sometimes within a couple of sessions, a couple yeah. of dives. Yeah. Um, they're getting their life back. Why does HBOT work so well for treating post-COVID or COVID long haulers? Well, it, it, it's a matter of, again, the the infection has, has left either with, with brain or spinal cord inflammation. And... One of the one of the things that um, I always I always like to do if I can if I can do this with my hand, but if you imagine your capillary system, okay, okay, you've got the blood coming from your heart in your arteries, and it breaks. It's in big arteries, and those break down into 
smaller and smaller vessels till they get to the capillaries. Okay. Okay. And the, and then the, the arterial capillary at one point turns into a venous capillary, where it starts to return to the heart, and in in the in the process, it's dropping off of it, its oxygen all along that pathway. Which oxygen gets your whole body? Oxygen brings oxygen. Every cell in your body needs oxygen to reproduce itself, and basically every cell, and we've got trillions of them. Every cell takes in oxygen, inverts that oxygen, and produces carbon dioxide. And at the capillaries is where that is exchanged. The oxygen comes out of the arterial side into the tissue, and the CO2 comes out of the tissue into the venous side, and, and that's a, a cycle that goes on constantly. <clears throat> those, those capillaries, okay, the, and, and the, the, the mechanism for getting the oxygen is through your red blood cells. The red blood cells carry the oxygen. But the, the, the capillaries are actually smaller than the red blood cells, if you can imagine that, okay? Okay. But they're, but they're flexible, and so when, and you have a blood pressure pushing, and so that pushes those single file through the, through the capillaries, and that stretches the capillary, which allows, again, the oxygen to pass through that capillary into the tissue and the CO2 to come back. Okay, see how that's working? Right, yeah. Okay, well, what happens if you in, introduce some swelling in inflamed tissue? It stretches that out. Have you ever taken a tube, a rubber tube, and stretched it? What happens? It gets narrower and it gets stiffer. Right. And so now the oxygen doesn't pass through. And that's, that's a cause of a lot of these skip synapses and skip tissue damage and things that are going on and have caused a lot of the problems. What does hyperbaric oxygen therapy do to that? It does a couple of very important things. The first thing is, even if you've never talked to me about hyperbarics before, your brain still knows that it's not supposed to breathe 100% oxygen all the time. Right. Again, hyperbaric oxygen is a drug, and like all drugs, there's the right amount, and there's too much, and there's too little, right? So, so when your brain senses you're getting 100% oxygen, it does a thing called vasoconstriction. It constricts your arteries to reduce the blood flow going into your brain because it knows this oxygen for the long term is right. going to be bad. Well, what does that do, though? That reduces blood flow into these swollen areas, which causes the swelling to go down and the capillaries to relax and open back up. Interesting. Restoring the proper pathway. But there's another thing that hyperbarics does, which is a huge bonus. It turns out that we have one portion of our blood called plasma, which doesn't carry oxygen cells. It's just the fluid in which the red blood cells and the, the leukocytes or the white blood cells that fight infection and the platelets, which clog you when you get a cut. Right. Okay? They all float around in the plasma. Plasma is 55% of the blood. But when you increase the pressure to two atmospheres absolute, oxygen will dissolve in plasma cells, and you, and that 55% adds to the total amount of oxygen you're getting as well. So now your red blood cells and your plasma cells. So in the meantime, while you still have swelling, 
the oxygenated plasma goes through those narrowed capillaries and gives up their oxygen and brings about the healing you need even when they haven't opened back up. So those are the two big ways. Um, and if you can, if I can give a little quick math. Yep, love it, on, love math, on, do it. On what those numbers look like, okay? Try to imagine we're at sea level and the gravity of Earth pulling our atmosphere around us, air has mass and it does have weight and it creates pressure, all right? And so in terms of how we measure pressure medically, which they use millimeters of mercury, okay? okay. So if you've had your blood pressure taking, for example, you sell what it feels like yeah. when nurse pumps up your blood pressure cuff to 150 millimeters of mercury, okay? okay. You know what that feels like? Yes. We're sitting and walking around in 760 millimeters of mercury. Are we just used to it? It's it's throughout our whole body, so it's equal. Got it. And so it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're being squeezed in a cuff because right. it's in and out right. through your whole body, right? And that's why we'd probably explode right. if we're now, in a vacuum. Right now, the air the air we breathe is 21 percent oxygen. Which, if you do the math to that, 21% of 760 is 159. So, basically, about the amount of pressure of a blood pressure cuff. Okay, so we're breathing in 159, right? But the lungs, they're not perfectly efficient. So, by the time it goes into your lungs, on the, on the pick up the oxygen side, then goes to the other side of the heart to go out to your body, it's dropped down from 159 to 100. Now, here again, I like to equate this. Imagine your heart is a lake and your red blood cells as a bucket. Got it. Okay? You go to the lake and you fill up your bucket with oxygen, and then you start walking away from the heart. But the bucket's got a hole in it. Right. So you're losing it all the way along. Yeah. Right? Well, by the time you get to your feet, you've gone from 100 maybe to as low as 50 to 70. If you get below 30... Which, again, if you're 70 rather than 100 and you've got a bone infection, you're going to get below 30 pretty quickly. And below 30, stuff stops happening. Okay? So you can see how that works. From 159 down to about 70 in your feet. And as long as everything is good, we're happy. But if we hit something like a bone infection or a virus or... Swelling, yeah. inflammation, which blocks, again, stretches of capillaries and causes the oxygen to drop off. And the lack of oxygen causes infections, which, again, phagocytosis, which is the process of fighting infection, guess what it requires in order to happen? It requires oxygen as well. Okay? But what happens in the chamber? Okay? Okay. Instead of breathing 21% oxygen, we're breathing 100% oxygen. And we're doubling the pressure. So, Which does what? So it takes us from 760 millimeters of breathed oxygen to 1,520. So at two atmospheres, 100% oxygen, we're breathing in 1,520 millimeters of oxygen. Now by the time it goes through the heart and lungs and starts heading toward the body, rather than 100, it's 1,483. Right, so rather than taking a bucket with a hole in it, you're driving a, a dump a truck, a tanker, you know, to the that's, feet. That's spraying in a right way. 
It has so, a big hole, but it's got a lot. It's got a lot. So it's still going to be well over a thousand when it gets to your feet. And of course, your whole body is going to benefit from that oxygen. So you're talking about going from a thousand to your feet from 70 is yeah. our hope. As yeah. long as there's nothing in the way that we're dumping right. mass amounts of oxygen off the right. hole. Now, if you're, if you have a disease which clogs your arteries, yeah, then it doesn't matter how much oxygen is in the arteries. If those are clogged off, you might have to have those opened up surgically or, or things like that. But, uh, but even that, okay, um, we've known that, like, let's say someone has peripheral arterial disease and their arteries are clogged and they clean them out. Cleaning them out, even, even though not cleaning them out is going to result that the, the tissue in your feet are going to die. But cleaning them out is going to kill some tissue. In other words, what they call reperfusion causes damage. That, by the way, hyperbarics helps reduce as well. That's awesome. So, that's really cool. Um, yeah. What other? So we we've treated a ton of COVID right. um, over the last two years, mm-hmm. um, and it's literally the perfect treatment when you break it down from a scientific method, you know, or, or philosophy. Well, in hypothesis. In, in active COVID, again, active active COVID has been shown to attack the red blood cells and reduce the oxygen-carrying capacity. Right. Which so, is, why, is that why they're, they're testing your oxygen level? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So so when you have, the, and you know, that's also part of it. It causes the body to throw clots, hyper, hypercoagulation, they call that. COVID causes that, and it, like I said, it attacks red blood cells as well. Um and so you you don't have the capacity to get the oxygen, but again, the hyperbaric oxygen bypasses the red blood cells, okay? But it also stimulates the release of red cells from your bone marrow. So, so for example, one of the very well-established hyperbaric indications is uh, blood loss anemia, hmm. right? Because again, when you lose a ton of blood, you've lost all these red blood cells. And you don't have the capacity to get them in. Well, what if you, you know, there are people who have religious objections to taking red blood cells, and there are people who have rare blood types. Those people respond very well to hyperbaric oxygen therapy because the plasma works the same as red blood cells in hyperbaric conditions. But we're going to end this episode because I think we're at what, 2020? 20, 20, I don't know. Yeah. But we've talked yeah. a bit. And we're going to continue on. Me and Jeff are going to stay talking, but we'll close this episode out and do a new intro and put this up the week after. All right. Um, so thank you for watching Talk Talks this week. Uh, we're going to be on next week again with Jeff um, and talk more about hyperbarics. This is really interesting. I, I love talking to Jeff about this stuff. So we'll see you soon. Please feel free to subscribe. Click that uh, like button and the bell for notifications.